Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Good day, Internet. Good day, Internet. Good day, Internet. Hi. <laughs> Good day, Internet. Hi. Hi. Everyone heard you. Hi, Internet. Say hello. <laughs> that was you. rich. Hi. It was. Hello, Rich. I like your like cool. I'm in a dungeon, but where? Look, for anybody uh, watching the video, you you know, it's kind of it's kind of a mood. It is. I've been trying to like very very gradually trying to make it not look like I'm doing this in my bedroom. Now, like the the footboard of the bed right there probably betrays it a little bit, but I I feel like you can tell anymore. But like also. You yeah, know, I, I, you, you I, podcast yeah. from all sorts of rooms. Exactly, exactly. But thank you, Sarah. I appreciate meow, uh, meow, the compliment. Hey, hey, quit meowing. This is real work business. <laughs> no, this so, is real work. I feel business. like Good Day Internet would probably rather hear from Jesse than anyone else. <laughs> yeah, people see your head. According to Basically, the Discord that's chat, that's, that's the only topic going on right now. Oh, I mean, it is the barber. Well, my other one's crying in the back, so it's probably better this way. Okay. Roger, Roger, how old is Jesse now? She is three. You are three. three. Oh, you're a big girl. A, a big kitty. You're a big kitty. She's very heavy. She's she has surpassed the fifteen pound limit. Um, yeah, like what? I don't know what three year olds should weigh. Is that a big baby <laughs> <laughs> or a toddler? Toddler. I, I feel like toddler. in the 30s, in the 30s yeah, she's, at three. She's, she's tw- yeah, she's <laughs> 29. All right, I get it. When people say, like, you know, my kid is in the top 95 percentile, I'm like, it's the weirdest parent brag of all time. <laughs> well, or, or like, or like, you know, they're kind of on the lower end of the percentile. I'm like, I, okay. But I mean, they're in the percentile. So it's like a normal. Yeah, like it's like they're taller or shorter or you know you know those those charts are a good metric to see where your child is health-wise or developmentally because that's what parents were but you know sometimes like she was on the small end and then she rapidly got larger in the past year or so so now she's tracking midline before she she was a little and drinking all that muscle milk well i used to joke because my wife bought like a big case of it for some reason and oh, I thought, like, can we, give this, can we give it to kids instead of just, like, giving them formula? But she would have to work out with her Fisher-Price Fisher, Fisher Price, My First Gym Set. It's little dumbbells and, you know, ellipt- elliptical machine. It's really just a circle. It's not really an ellipse. All right, Sarah, I have a show to ask you about. Okay. Only Murders in the Building. Have you seen it? No. Oh, never I've even heard, heard of it. I've heard this. It's a Hulu thing. It's got Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. Like it already. And it's amazing. Is it about murders? Yes. Okay. Well, it's, it's about is one it murder. Com- is it comedy? <sighs> mm. It's not. It's I, well, I just thought it was Steve Martin be sla- and Martin yeah, Short. You know? I, I thought it was going to be slapstick because of Steve Martin and Martin Short. Um, my daughter thought I wanted to watch it just because it had to do with podcasts, which I didn't know until we started watching it. Um, 
essentially there's a murder in the building and those three create a podcast about it because that's the only thing they have in common. Wow. And yeah, it I have becomes not heard more of this. a becomes more of a like a detective sleuthy kind of thing. And it is funny in so many subtle ways. It is uh, it, it, it's pretty good. And then it's episode good. eight is the last one we did. There's ten episodes in the first season. And we finished episode eight. And during episode eight, I had to stop the 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 show twice because I was laughing so hard I couldn't hear what they were saying. Mm-hmm. So, so it sounds like a good show. Sarah's question. It, it is, is funny. A comedy. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it funny. Is. Okay. It is. It, but it, it's you're not going to laugh every episode. It kind of it's a slow build. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. I'll watch pretty much anything that Steve Martin does. Yeah. So I will add it to the list. I uh, and it's on Hulu. So. Yeah, I can I can get it. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I I caught up on Euphoria season two this weekend. I don't oh, know if okay. anyone watches that. I'm I would not rec- Euphoria memes. I would not recommend it unless you're ready for uncomfortable teenage drama, mm-hmm. and that's not even doing it justice. Is, is that the one with Zendaya in it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've, so I've heard of it. I just haven't it's, seen it. It's good, but it's like, oh my God. Like every episode, you're like, are they even allowed to do this? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh my it's pretty, pretty racy, um, but it's really good nice. if you're into um, that sort of thing. One of my top five favorite movies of all time is uh, 10 Things I Hate About You because it really encapsulates a lot of that teen angst, the, the relationships, and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, yeah. Also a good so, uh, um, Heath Ledger movie. Yeah. 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 And, and a pretty and, and pretty good retelling of Taming of the Shrew. Like, nor like Shakespeare retellings are usually fall into two uh, two camps. Pretty good and really bad. Yeah. It's uh. That's just I. I Jesse, love that. You're too that, young for. Yeah. Euphoria. <laughs> any any kind of uh, media that can capture that much, that, I know. That that teen angst, but not in a overly it, angsty way. It, yeah, you know, I, w- I would say this is that times a million. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's still somewhat relatable. Yeah. Uh, even though I've you know been out of high school for a couple of years now, but uh, yeah. Uh, what else did I watch this weekend besides football? Oh, oh my, my gosh, so much football. Oh my gosh, it was the All best the football. football weekend ever. It was so good. It was just one, yeah, it was just hit after hit. If you don't like the NFL, you'd be like, eh, who cares? And that's fine. But if you yeah. do, it like, was maybe the best football weekend ever. If I, Even if you didn't like football, it was worth watching the games to watch your friends react to the yeah, football. Have, have because meltdowns. there was a lot of just like shouting and like dropping of phones in my house because <laughs> that's how we usually watch the games with kids running around. So <laughs> it's just a, it, just it, a lot of that. Sa- Saturday's games were, it, there's a difference between a person who casually watches NFL and somebody who really enjoys the game. And Saturday was a day for people that really enjoy the game. A lot of defensive plays, a lot of little strategies going on, not the big, you know, bomb throwers and everything else, not the big yardage gains, all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And then Sunday kind of came in with the other way around. It was more. It's like palatable. NFL blitz. <laughs> yeah. The last was, quarter was NFL blitz. Yeah. The last game, especially, was just like, oh, hey, here's a 90 yard pass. Here's another 90 yard pass. Here's a 90 yard pass. Right. Another and, like, pass. And, and both of Sunday's games, I'm like, okay, it matters who the Niners end up playing. So I'm like mildly curious, but I didn't really have dog in the fight mm-hmm. but at the same time i'm shrieking you know my dog my cat are like what is wrong with you and i'm like ah, <laughs> i just need to be on twitter right now <laughs> yeah i, I was... do there is i do feel a little bad for the like the people at the 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 networks that have to then build the narratives for the next week because not only was like it was very an entertaining weekend but like a lot of the obvious narratives that you would have for the postseason are now gone. And in like a good way, like as a fan, like it's like, oh, there's a lot of new teams that usually don't make it into like don't usually win playoff games, let alone, you know, a couple. Sure. Uh, so that's that's cool. But like there's not like the 
oh, it's the dynasty versus the scrappy upstart kind of, uh, you know, uh, kind of. Right. I guess Kansas City is the closest you get there, but. Uh, but I, I, it will be interesting uh, to, uh, to well, see. Well, you, this, this weekend saw that, that you can't have the the pupil and the master face each other because, you know, uh, Tampa Bay. And then also you can't have a rematch of last year's Super Bowl because of Tampa Bay. Which is, um, yes. You know, so like, like you said, a lot of those narratives that could be wrapped into it are gone. So they're going to have to. It is going to be a, a tough sports week coming up with new narratives. What will Joe Buck rap <laughs> wistfully uh, call us our attention to? I don't know. We'll have to see. I, I know there are a lot of folks watching and listening who are like, ah, who cares? Um, and I have cared very little about the NFL for the last, let's call it five years. Mm-hmm. Partly because mm-hmm. like the Niners, you know, they they get close, but, you know, that's my team and when they're yeah. out, sometimes I'm just like, whatever. There's like a head injury, and I'm just like, ah, oh, this sport. But boy, when it's fun, it's fun. Yeah, I had a I, fun I, football weekend. I, I think what any football fan wants is a close game. Even if they definitely want their team to win, they don't want, I mean, it's no, not fun no to watch a blowout. No one likes a blowout. Right. And all these <laughs> no. games were decided within a score. <laughs> you know, you had three, uh, three field goals with four seconds left on the clock in the fourth quarter to finish the game and the last game went to overtime like they were all very close games it was just it was wonderful football and now there's the whole thing about we should change overtime not fair which i mean doesn't seem fair if your team loses but that's kind of how it's been so that's how it's played the exception to the blowout uh, because sarah i usually agree with you a a blowout is not the, the fun thing to watch however the exception was last week when mm-hmm. Buffalo just completely destroyed the Patriots, who, if you don't watch football, they're like, you know, one of the, in the last yeah. 20 years have been anybody like but the, the Patriots. Premier, is yeah, the has been like a premier home. dynasty. So I feel like for most football fans outside of the New England area and to you, you have my sympathies. There are, I think there there are times there. there are times where a blowout just feels good. <laughs> you know, it's like eating a really good sandwich. We're like, gosh, that was good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Every bite. You don't but, always you know, want corned beef, but when you do, uh, you do. A friend of mine who doesn't, uh, not only football, but just doesn't doesn't get sports. It's just like, I don't, you don't play for the team. You have no financial benefit from this team. Like, why do you care? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just what people do. Not everybody, yeah. but when you do, you do care. And it's like, it like makes you happy. You know, you're like part of a part of a crew. Yeah, um, Kent and I were talking about it. Like my my favorite teams are San Francisco, uh, whoever's playing against Dallas, mm-hmm. and then that. the underdog, whichever team is the underdog, which can change during a game. Because if you know, if wait wait Buffalo's wait how can it ch- wait 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 how can it change during a game? Isn't the underdog the set in stone as you go well, into the game? If you're betting, yes, but as the game goes on, one team, if the underdog team, say the Browns start getting a, a 15, 20 point lead on the Patriots. Well, not the Patriots because I would never root for the Patriots, I, but you know, the Bengals, <laughs> then I'm going to, I'm going to start rooting for the Bengals to come back. Why? Because in, I want that close game. But that isn't an under, but that, or, I, that's what I'm saying. It's like, that doesn't fit the definition. Yeah, you just want a close game. But, yeah. No, or Roger, yeah. like if a starting quarterback goes, is, is injured, you know, and then you have like the rookie that's never played before. I would say then, yeah. That no, no, but see, at that point, that but that, but that's what I'm saying. It's not an an underdog is a narrative that's built up, right? Mm-hmm. You can't. I don't think you can have an underdog suddenly switch. You can have people yeah. on the. You can have you can have like a third string quarterback come out first time playing in, in a in a championship game. Yeah, you could totally root for him, but he might be the underdog story, but the team wouldn't be necessarily. Okay, well, let's just agree to disagree on our definitions of underdog because my definition has nothing to do with how the game starts. <laughs> well, so we are, we have thoughts. That's I think that's our fun takeaway from this. The over-unders thoughts. <laughs> yeah, that should be a new podcast. Like I'd even... Un- I'd like even DTNS After Dark, the over-under. There's so many betting things <laughs> that come out of uh, sports betting that I had absolutely no idea of until um, Justin... Uh, Justin uh, f- filled me in on the over over under because anyone understood it. 
Like I now I understand it as the point difference at the end of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Like so. So if, if you're in the betting circles, yes, but I'm not. So I. But, you, I, but when someone says like, "What do you think the over under is?" Like you know what they're talking about. Yep. And I always said it yeah. at six, which is it's why like, I'm what's a the likelihood game? that this team will win? That's yeah, and then by you know, how beating, much beating the spread, yeah. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Analyst expectations. Game. See, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm a ama- you like know tech what? All over again. Can you imagine if people? I'm sure people do. The Bengals posted 32 points, but analysts results. estimated 35. Oh, for sure they do. Bengals stock down 10. percent Oh, you know what isn't down? Skype. DTNS. <laughs> show. Actually, yeah, Skype is not down. Look at us. You go, awesome. Skype. We beat the spread. Um, and just reminder for me, I do not read the promo, right? Yeah. Oh, we need a coming up. <clears throat> oh, dear. Hold on. Oh. That is it. my badge. <laughs> and once that's in, um, you just read the cold open and <laughs> Joe will play the music. So what about this is like watching my brain in action. Blah blah blah. Oh. I'm just mentally recalculating all the times in the show. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Cool. Um just Read the cold open, and uh, Joe will play the music. All right. I'll count myself in. In three, two, coming up on DTNS, Apple says it'll announce so many things this year, but don't count out Amazon, Alphabet, and Microsoft, who bought up so many companies last year. And also, let's save some heat. This is the Daily Tech News for Monday, January 24th, 2022. In Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane. From lovely Cleveland, Ohio, I'm Rich Straffolino. And I'm Roger Chang, the show's producer. Before the show, we were talking we were talking about football. But we were also talking about the over-unders on all sorts of things. If you'd like to get that wider show, it's called Good Day Internet. Have a lot of fun before and after the show every day. It is available at patreon.com slash DTNS. And, of course, we want to give a big thanks to our top patrons, including Hector Bones, Tim Ashman, and Johnny Hernandez. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Meta announced that it's building an AI research supercluster, or an RSC, which is a supercomputer designed to train machine learning systems and set to be complete later this year. Meta says the RSC will be used to build uh, improved content moderation systems, also develop augmented reality features, and design experiences for the metaverse. Phase one of RSC is already running using using 760 NVIDIA GGX A100 systems with 6,080 connected GPUs and providing a claimed 20-times improved performance on machine vision research tasks. Phase two will bring the total GPUs up to 16,000 and be able to train AI systems with more than a trillion parameters on data sets as large as an exabyte. In December, a UK high court judge ruled that WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange could be extradited to the US. This overturned a district court judge that blocked extradition on mental health grounds. However, a high court judge has now granted Assange the right to petition the UK Supreme Court for a hearing over his extradition. There's no guarantee that this request for a hearing will be granted or what would happen at that hearing. Just this is the latest update going on with Julian Assange. 
Attorneys General from the District of Columbia and also the states of Texas, Washington, and Indiana filed a lawsuit against Google, alleging that the company deploys dark patterns to influence users to share their location data. The lawsuit also alleges that from 2014 to 2019, Google made false claims about information collection when people turned off the location history in in their settings. Panasonic will start mass-producing new lithium-ion batteries as early as 2023, which are twice as big as older versions, but offer five times the capacity, estimated to provide 50% more range at the same weight, while costing up to 20% less to produce. Panasonic began development of these batteries at the request of Tesla, and no surprise, they'll be the first to receive the first shipments. Apple extended its exemption from its in-app purchase commission for online group and event apps until June 30th. Apple introduced this exemption back in 2020. The company said that the extension was due to the recent resurgence of COVID and its continued impact on in-person services. All right, Rich, let's talk about big companies buying smaller companies. Yeah, I mean, if it seemed like big tech went on a little bit of a buying spree last year, it's not just you. We have some data from uh, the analysts at DealLogic, and they found that Microsoft, Amazon, and Alphabet each announced more acquisitions in 2021 than any year in the past decade. Microsoft publicly announced 56 deals, Amazon 29, and Alphabet 22. The value of those deals also hit a 10-year high for Alphabet at over $20 billion. Amazon's $15.7 billion deal volume only trails behind 2017, and that's when they bought Whole Foods for $13.7 billion, so that kind of spiked that year. Microsoft's only bigger year for acquisitions was 2016, and that's when it acquired LinkedIn for a cool $26 billion. So, you know, a lot of these figures are a little inflated for based on one large acquisition in 2021. Uh, Microsoft uh, bought Nuance uh, for $19 billion, and Amazon is buying MGM Studios, or uh, closed on buying MGM Studios for $8.5 billion. So those are some big deals. Alphabet actually uh, had their big deal with Fitbit closed. That was valued at $2.1 billion. So it only accounts for about, you know, 2.1% here. You know, Sarah, I know there's been some... Uh, regulatory speculation about, you know, maybe why uh, uh, these deals are are closing fast and furious these days. Um, I'm curious, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like, I guess, uh, what are your thoughts on just the kind of the the scale and scope of uh, these acquisitions? I mean, a lot of the acquisitions over the past couple of years, you know, but let's use 2021 as an example, because that's what we're talking about specifically. You know, a lot of this seems to be a company saying, Okay, life has changed for a lot of folks. Here's a company that we can acquire to make us the supplier for that, you know, cloud situation that somebody has to now deal with now that they're working from home. So some mm. of that I think is is definitely part of it. You know, my first reaction was like, well, where's Activision Blizzard? That's 2022. <laughs> so that's not even factored into this. I wonder if when we get to the end of this year, what we're going to look back you know, are we going to look back on the 2021 numbers and say, yeah, well, you know, the Amazon, Microsoft, um, and Alphabet, you know, certainly made some big purchases, but I wonder how much the same trend is, is, is going to continue. Or I wonder how much, if the FTC gets involved, uh, how much, uh, of, of, of this kind of land grab won't be possible anymore. Yeah, and that's kind of where everyone is is. Try, I think uh, the, some of the speculation is the FTC is trying to hedge their bet, or uh, these companies are trying to hedge their bets against the FTC. Uh, they've already started. The FTC has started, you know, sending out letters to some companies that hey might be in the the merger acquisition talks, letting them know that we are going to be reviewing this, possibly rolling back mergers if uh, you know we find uh, uh, you know there there are competitive reasons to do so. So kind of not taking necessarily strong action. Probably the biggest action the FTC is taking is trying to block the NVIDIA arm deal uh, coming out with a bunch of global regulators uh, to that degree. And that's where I think it's interesting because Microsoft, you know, buying nuance that I, I don't see that as a competitive issue necessarily. That's a huge deal for Microsoft. Obviously, signals, uh, uh, you know, where their uh, their continued investment in things like AI and around healthcare and that kind of stuff. Uh, Amazon buying a movie studio, uh, not surprising given the current landscape of streaming. It's it's you know seeing that the FTC has already moved to block that uh, Nvidia Arm deal. 
with the Activision Blizzard now acquisition, that to me seems a lot more analogous uh, uh, to that uh, in terms of how it's positioned in the market. And I feel like that to me feels more like a a move to, hey, this is a, I mean, in terms of any of these other deals, this is, you know, twice as big as, or oh, more than twice as big as buying LinkedIn, you know, for Microsoft. So yeah, that to me feels like, if, if we're going to say something is a reaction to potential FTC scrutiny, that to, deal to me feels like that more than what we saw necessarily in 2021. At the same time, every single one of these deals, I remember thinking, hmm, is this even going to happen? You know, it's, <laughs> well, yeah. so, you know, it's a, bit, a little bit too much. I definitely felt that way when Microsoft bought LinkedIn in 2016. Like that was, that was... Not last year. Um, now it's sort of like, oh yeah, Microsoft owns LinkedIn, whatever. It it so much of this I, I, I think is you know the company that is acquiring the smaller company or you know, they're acquiring whatever company for how how much of a lump sum says, we can't do this. We can't do this without them. It's not about hurting competition. It's about the fact that we need this and we, you know, we're not able to do this without uh this you know, extremely talented group of people that we're now uh, going to absorb into our company. And that works sometimes, not always, but in many cases, as as we saw in 2021, I mean, we'll see if there's some pushback on it, but Fitbit is the only uh, deal I can really point to where it was like, it was kind of touch and go for a while. Well, and it seems like that arm deal is going to be the same way. And And that's a great point, though, is to think about what that deal is. FTC is not the only game in town. Uh, you know, the EU and increasingly China have a big say in a lot of these deals, too. And you know, the FTC is not operating alone for sure. Well, there's a Chinese firm called Fuzhou 985 Technology. Might not be a household name for you. Uh, not It wasn't for me until recently. But it has made news after it acquired a WeChat account previously set up for Australia's Prime Minister Scott Morrison. So just an account, not WeChat itself. This wasn't Morrison's personal account either. His office used it to message Australian voters of Chinese ethnic origin with messages in Mandarin. You know, talking to the folks. This isn't unusual either. Both of Australia's major political parties use WeChat to communicate in this manner. Other countries do the same. Morrison had about 76,000 followers on the account. So seems like a lot, but... Maybe not so much for a political figure, but this was the way that he was talking to certain folks who were interested in what he had to say. (laughs) Emphasis on what he had to say. These WeChat accounts were set up for political leaders in Australia through outsourced agencies. Records show that this particular account of Morrison's, or at least was attributed to Morrison, was registered back in 2019 with the name of a Chinese citizen in mainland China, as the operator. The agency reported that it lost access to the account in July of 2021 and then emailed WeChat on January 10th asking for the account to be returned, saying, hey, we this is, this is our account. The account renamed itself Australia China New Life in January and notified followers it would promote Chinese life in Australia. According to a Fuzhou 985 employee, the company that bought the account did so because it had a big, large fan base, but was unaware that it was connected to Morrison at all. WeChat owner Tencent said that the dispute would be handled in accordance with our platform rules. <laughs> WeChat just kind of saying like, hey, read the, read the terms and conditions. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> we don't want to get a, into this. this. Is a, it was kind of a head scratcher for me today, Rich. So I'm like, okay, there was an account that was not – uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison's personal account, but something that people attributed to what he was doing and saying that was uh, that was designed to help the Chinese community and Australia feel uh, more included um, using Mandarin as, as in our language, uh, for example. And then all of a sudden it's sold and then it's somewhat changed in its uh, in its uh, goals you know, for, for how to reach everybody that uh, would follow this WeChat. And sure, I mean, we're talking about under 100,000 people, but if those are highly engaged people, that's still a lot of folks. Well, and it's still, you know, a a, a politician trying to reach a, contis- a constituency in a way that other political parties in Australia are doing, you know, and, and doing so like, I, you know, there's been a lot of uh, a reaction, uh, um, uh, from uh, Morrison and, and others in his party, so, you know, kind of saying this is censorship of free speech. WeChat needs to do something about this. I don't, 
I think that's a little maybe a little hyperbolic. It seems like what's interesting to me is I wonder if we if we crawl into a WeChat subreddit, if this kind of, hey, we someone sold I I used, uh, you know, uh, an agent to buy an account if I'm a business or something like that. And I registered it with this person living in China. And now all of a sudden it got sold. If that doesn't happen and it just so happens that Hey, they had, you know, they had a, 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 you know, the head of the Australian government. And so it makes international news now. I, I will add very quickly that uh, this is one of those uh, situations where as a politician or a political party often said is like you need to control the messaging. You need to control your message. In some ways, it's also about like you need to make sure the platform you're on isn't going to be sold from underneath you because <laughs> that can be incredibly detrimental to your messaging. One thing that won't be detrimental to our messaging is reclaiming maybe some waste heat. And now you may be saying, (laughs) Rich, speak for yourself. Seamless. Let me just tell you this. Listen, listen, Sarah, in the world of energy, waste waste heat, it's all over the place. Okay. Right. You're paying for heat. It's not going, you're not warm. It's going somewhere else. It's going somewhere. I mean, if you ever touched a hot water pipe in your basement, even though your parents warned you not to and you thought better of it and you still tried it anyway, that waste heat is what caused that first degree burn, Sarah. The idea of using something like a thermoelectric generator is also not necessarily a new idea. Uh, these operate uh, by putting the generator by a heat source and it generates a current as electrons move from the hot to the cold side of the device. So in 2020, scientists at Penn State and the National Renewable Energy Laboratory created a thermoelectric generator that proved more efficient than commercial units in high-temperature situation. The only issue was that it was rigid. It needed to be glued onto something like a heat pipe, which having to go through the glue decreases the efficiency. The glue is uh, absorbing some heat after all. Now the team has published research on a new flexible thermoelectric generator, which can wrap around common waste heat sources without any glue. Think of you know any number of heat pipes that you come across. In tests on a three-inch squared area, the generator maintained a 150% power density advantage over competitive units in the market with a total power output of 56.6 watts. The researchers envision these being used in something like an industrial power plant on pipes where you have hundreds of feet of these and able to generate kilowatts of energy that would otherwise just be going out into the ether, probably causing a problem, like probably causing the need for additional cooling if all of these heat pipes are generating heat and and not being used. So, you know, Sarah, we're in a we're in a uh, environment now where everybody's we're, we're looking to, uh, you know, decrease carbon footprints. We're looking to increase energy efficiency, uh, uh, you know, kind of across uh, uh, industries here. Uh, this is really exciting to me because this is something that can be used if, if this can be commercialized, you know, at scale to kind of, OK, we can increase the efficiency, not really having to change the infrastructure, you know, as, as kind of a stopgap. And like I feel wrap like wrap around the infrastructure. Yeah. I mean, now, this is a big step. This is a research. We're talking about three inches square area here. But the initial research is showing that this does scale uh, fairly well uh, in, in their initial trials. Uh, so that is uh, that is exciting to see for sure. Yeah, I mean, when we're talking about what's going on at a power plant, for example, you know, not having too much insider information on how much uh, heat is being wasted at something like this. Can't imagine that this wouldn't be a good thing, you know, if 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 used uh, responsibly and and if it ends up being something that heat is saved and therefore savings are passed along to the end user. Great. <laughs> I also wonder, you know, in uh, household situations, how something like this, and again, people have lots of different heat. And so the solution's not going to be the same for everybody. I mean, I've got a split unit. I, I don't know exactly how this would help me specifically <laughs> in my apartment, but just the idea of, Hey, let's make this more efficient. It helps everybody. It helps the grid. It helps people's, you know, it, it monthly bills. Um, it seems like, it seems like Research that's going to save us eventually. Yeah, it's one of those things the domestic kind of uses for this interest me because, you know, living in Northeast Ohio, like I can put solar panels on my roof, but it's going to take like 40 years to like pay off like something like this. I feel mm. like for a lot of people in a lot of different areas could be a really interesting way. Again, not, it's 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 not like a it's not an infinite uh, energy generator, right? Like we're 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 still we're still burning stuff to make all of this heat come out somewhere, right? We're still generating that steam, but it does increase efficiency, uh, which uh, which can't be a bad thing. Again, commercialization probably a long way off for this, but a really interesting advance, uh, and can't wait to see where that's going. 
Well, listen, folks, uh, all this week we're making exclusive Patreon content available to everybody. You might be on the fence saying, well, you know, as a patron, do I, you know, is my experience going to be really different? We hope the answer is yes. So keep an eye on your public feeds and see a little bit more about what you're getting in those feeds for uh, patrons, if you were to be a patron regularly. And if you like what you hear, you can learn more about where you can get to be a patron at patreon.com slash DTNS. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. All right, everybody. Uh, we all want faster internet, and it might be a good day uh, for faster <laughs> internet news if you're an AT&T customer, or you might be a potential customer. AT&T rolled out upgraded plans for its fiber-based broadband service with plans that top off at symmetrical speeds of 2 gigabits per second and 5 gigabits per second, respectively. The new plans are available in over 70 metro areas, including Dallas, Los Angeles, and Atlanta. The 2 gigabit per second plan start at $110 per month, goes up to $180 per month for the 5 gigabit per second plan. AT&T also says it'll be imposing equipment fees and data caps and annual contracts on new customers. So a little bit of a same old same, but oh, wait, that was Sarah, working. real quick. I, that is a typo. They will not be. That is a change in policy for AT&T. So oh, that, well, that that's is my fault. So much better news. AT&T <laughs> says it won't impose equipment fees. Yes. Data caps, yes, or annual contracts on new customers. We'll see, AT&T. The company plans to expand its fiber network as well from 15 million to 30 million customers by 2025. But that's not all, because if you don't require wired internet or you're just really a lot more interested in wireless, MediaTek conducted the first live demo of Wi-Fi 7 to key customers and industry collaborators. The demo showed MediaTek's multi-link operation technology combining multiple channels on different frequencies. The Wi-Fi Alliance says that Wi-Fi 7 could provide speeds of at least 30 gigabits per second. Oh, that sounds good. MediaTek said it expects Wi-Fi 7 products on the market by 2023, so it's not going to be tomorrow, but it's on the horizon, although the standard could still be in draft speculation, specification rather, at that time, which could slow things down. Yeah, and theoretically might be some software updates needed to uh, bring everything in line once those early products come to market. But that Wi-Fi, those Wi-Fi 7 speeds, I mean, 30 gigabits per second, we're talking Thunderbolt 3 kind of levels of speed. And that really opens up a lot of interesting possibilities for wireless when, you know, I, I mean, I know VR and AR are like super buzzy words, but if you could have a wireless connection that could do, you know, point to point 30 gigabits per second, that I mean, that's way better than my wired connection right now. Yeah. And my wired again, connection is pretty fast. <laughs> well, and what's interesting about what MediaTek's doing is, you know, uh, multiple channels, different frequencies. So theoretically, you can work around any kind of interference. Uh, so if you're in, you know, a, a, an apartment or something like that, would be able to better deal with a, with a little bit more crowded spectrum. But 
you know, the other the other side of this is that that AT&T news. So now I am a AT&T fiber subscriber, full disclosure. It's interesting because I love speeds and feeds, five gigabit per second. Amazing. But I'm also the guy that downgraded from the gigabit plan to the 100 meg plan because I just like I, I, I ended up not justifying. I was looking at kind of how I was using it and uh, it just ended up 100 megabits was good enough for work and streaming and all that good stuff. So I, I do wonder for com- now commercial use, I, com- I understand why you could use that. You have yeah. a bunch of machines hooked up. Faster is always better. I want all the bandwidth. The, the smaller, for, for the home use, I'm not saying it's not needed. I'm not saying this is not a good thing. But I feel like the use cases perhaps will be discovering once the service is available, right? So as a Comcast um customer uh you know with a gigabit internet plan you know i hadn't done a speed test in a while so i was like you know when i was researching the story i was like what am i really getting it's <laughs> quite well under a gigabit honestly you know for download upload is nowhere near um and i <laughs> unless skype gets weird on me every once in a while my connection is extremely solid. I mean, even I run an Airbnb. We're all on the same big old mesh network, you know, and people are always saying, well, we're going to work from here and we're probably going to be doing video calls and our kids have to zoom into school. Like, can you handle it? And I'm like, oh, we can handle it. Don't you, <laughs> don't you worry. And again, when I look at these speeds, I'm like, that's crazy. Who needs that? But the thing is, is that you, if you need it, you need it. And, and if you, if you've lived uh, in in a, a space where you don't have that capacity, then then you don't think you need it until all of a sudden it's offered to you, and then you find all sorts of ways to use bandwidth. Well, yeah, I mean those kind of use cases, uh, like you said, your Airbnb, I could definitely see you get that five gig plan. You have uh, you know an apartment, uh, you know a small apartment or condo thing, and you know hey everybody wants to split it. We can figure out how to to separate all the uh, you know the accounts and everything like that. That that's a lot of bandwidth for a lot of people. So again, uh, good that they're expanding the seventy metro areas. Not insignificant. Big markets getting hit with this. And what's what's fun about this is seeing what people will do with this, and if it pushes companies like Comcast to to roll out faster fiber as well. Indeed. All right, and finally, a few not finally, a few interesting tidbits from Bloomberg's Mark German's Power <laughs> what, on. What are you ending the show? I am. I'm calling it early. <laughs> uh, w- one of these bits of news involves uh, a team on the long-reported Apple Car, or lack thereof. The team's head of software engineering program management, Joe Bass, recently updated his LinkedIn page to state he left the company and is now working on technical program management at Meta. According to German, nearly the entire Apple Car management team in place just one year ago is gone. Of course, German also has plenty of reports on more immediately available hardware, saying Apple's spring event in March or April, we haven't set a date yet, that's where he's pegging it, will feature a re- uh, refreshed iPhone SE with 5G and an updated iPad Air with an A15 SoC. That's the one used in the iPad Mini and the uh, uh, iPad one of the other iPads. Now Pro. I can't think of it. Yeah. Yes, the iPad Pro. Thank you, sir. German sources also say that Apple is readying the widest array of new hardware products in its history for the fall, with German estimating the new iPhone series, a low-end MacBook Pro, a redesigned MacBook Air, a new iMac, Mac Pro, AirPods Pro, iPad Pro, and Apple Watch. So, Sarah, <laughs> are you uh, looking forward to the uh, uh, the hardware bonanza that will be this fall from Apple? Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a long one. I'll go ahead and, you know, give myself four hours for this. Um, so a few things to unpack here. Uh, first of all, the it wasn't it wasn't that long ago. In fact, it was Bloomberg back in November and said, OK, you know, Apple's internal um, uh, Apple car team, whatever you want to call them. You know, maybe Apple's moving a little bit more to we're going to, you know, provide the guts inside the car that somebody else provides. And, you know, some car manufacturers were were floated around as potential partners. So it doesn't – this does not mean – that was just a couple months ago. This does not mean that Apple is not still working on this. It does seem to be that either a lot of executives bounced because they weren't getting anywhere or – Apple made sure that they did. So I'm not going to say that the car isn't still a thing, but it looks a little like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know where we are, especially because Apple's touting all sorts of other things that it's working on. For example, 
And of course, Mark Gurman is, you know, one of the best Apple sources that we have working for Bloomberg now. But uh, if Apple has a, just a just a slew of product announcements this fall, if the AR VR headset isn't part of that, you know, maybe then Apple will be in a better position to not have to explain why the, you know, supply chain and heating issues and all sorts of stuff that is rumored to be part of the problem with this whole rollout, um, you know, could be uh, shelved a bit. Yeah, I, I, I do wonder if that does play a part of it. Hey, we're going to we're going to spread the field with all the, the new hardware to maybe because we can't ship. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, the VR headset uh, for this for the end of the year or something like that. But the other thing is this does if, if they release all this, let's assume maybe Q4 is when these are going to be mainly in the retail channels. You know, Apple already ha- has been maintaining a strong, you know, kind of Q4. I Like it almost. And again, I, I know we don't get into the financials too much on DTNS, but like I feel like like they can't get off that roller coaster. Right. Like you have to keep increasing that Q4. And I know Apple does not have any problem selling hardware. They like basically set a record. Right. Like every other. Sure. So it seems like it seems like that's the anecdotal evidence. But, you know, that's that's putting a lot of eggs in that and that kind of Q4 basket. I wonder if the chip shortages also played a role in them not being able, you know, maybe they wanted to put maybe the iMac or, you know, the the lower end redesigned or or the, you know, the lower end MacBook Pro. They wanted to release that earlier, didn't knew they weren't going to have the supply uh, at that time. And so they had to delay it, maybe something like that and forcing them to kind of push it all into this one uh, seemingly kind of big fall coming up. Yeah, just personally, I mean, I've been thinking about getting a new iMac for some time, um, and my MacBook Air is a year and just over a year old, really. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, how are you going to redesign the MacBook Air? Like, I got an M1 MacBook Air. It's pretty great. Mm -hmm. I don't really have any complaints about it. I mean, it's just my little silent killer, you know, over in the corner. But, yeah, this is, you know, a lot of the stuff is probably going to if you're in the market for an iPad Pro if you never had the AirPods Pro um you know a new Apple Watch like all of this is is great it could also just be incremental and then meant to be like a bonanza of products that aren't really super wow on their own mm-hmm. again just speculating All right. Well, uh, last week we talked a little bit about, well, we talked quite a bit about the idea of folks that may not be paying for Google Workspace for custom domains and the like. Uh, Things might be changing. Um, So in the mailbag, we've got quite a few uh, reactions. Jeremy, Tony, Allison, Sheridan all chimed in. We're going to read Jeremy's email. Jeremy said, uh, Jeremy from sunny Melbourne, Australia, wanted To add some input on the changes to Google Workspace, Jeremy says, I've been using this service for about 15 years. Jeremy, you and me both. This is only used for family email, but I have 10 accounts set up, all I can set up on the free tier. So the concept of now paying $6 per account per month is very expensive just for email. The other thing to also consider is that Google has been continually removing functionality away from the Workspaces service. So you can't use a Workspaces account to access family sharing type service. Google Home services are limited. Even managing additional storage can be difficult. This reduces the value of the service dramatically. Jeremy says, I've commenced to looking for alternatives with the most important to be able to maintain my personal domain. Cost will obviously be a defining factor, but it needs to be easy to migrate and then have all the family also easily reconnect. Uh, I'm with you, Jeremy. I, <laughs> one of the things that a lot of folks who emailed us about this, because there were quite a few of you, said, I have not gotten any official anything from Google about this. I have not either. I, I keep kind of waiting for it because I'm a grandfathered in free custom domain person um, and I've been using Google for many years for this reason. But I absolutely agree with Jeremy. I don't – so SarahLane.com is my custom domain that I use in this way. Nobody else is getting email. I didn't have to set up multiple accounts. It's really just me. But it's a personal thing and I've had it for so many years and it would probably not – kill me to figure out another option for this, but it would change my workflow quite a bit. All right, Rich, you got nothing. Let's yeah. I, I mean, I, I hearing (laughs) the, hearing the personal story. (laughs) I want want you to feel my pain, Rich. I, well, and, and Jeremy specifically, like seeing that, like I have these 10 accounts, the 60, but this, you know, all of a sudden it's going to turn into 60 bucks a month. 
yeah, uh, is, you know, it's easy, it's easy to say, oh, all right, you got to pay for it. You got it for free, you know, but like hearing that, like it does being like, man, and not to get any word is also like very bizarre from Google. It is a little bizarre. Um, what is not bizarre is some of our patrons who have been with us a really long time, who have been super loyal to us. And we like to thank some of you each week. And today it is Tim Ashman. Tim, you are one of our top lifetime supporters for DTNS, and we thank you so much for all the years of support. We are also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 21.30 UTC on this here very show. And you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. And guess what? We're going to be back doing it all tomorrow because we do it every week, Monday through Friday. Tomorrow, Owen J.J. Stone joins us. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. Picking <laughs> a bow. And how. Wow, mama, 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 mama. Everybody, if you want to um, vote on shows and submit, uh, vote on shows. What am I saying? Sure what, a, what a case of the Mondays I've. <laughs> <laughs> showbot.tv slash DTNS and the number two is where you can uh, submit uh, title suggestions and also vote on them for both DTNS and GDI. It's I'm digging them. I'm looking. They are. They are some really good ones. Please go in there and vote because I I am literally inundated with very clever titles. It's going to be a close race, I feel like. Princess Delirium. Yes. You've got, you've got my vote so far. We've got 16 votes over on the uh, DTNS side. GDI, only nine votes. I know everybody's had a long weekend. I know you all watched a lot of football, ate a lot of pizza, but you got to vote. Shape it up, folks. Yeah, I mean, so- vote or we'll vote for you. Sundays, you can always tell there's a football or there's always a football game because it always seems the streets and everything seem just a little emptier, like mm-hmm. noticeably. Not all, not tremendously, but noticeably. So the streets seem emptier this Sunday because we got hit by a pretty good uh, snowstorm. So we were ah, uh, yes. pretty empty. Do your streets have names? Uh, no, we have numbers. I live on Street 627. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. I was it trying was, to make a uh, U2 joke, and I don't know where we went with Soviet that. Soviet style. Mm. Is, that, is that some sort of a musical uh, uh, group? Soviet Russia joke makes you. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> you make joke, joke makes you. Well, oh, I don't yeah, know how many Russia jokes I can make today. But you know what? That's a different show. That's <laughs> Go to Russia joke podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Don't know why we would do that. You know what's funny? Um, no, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's good stuff. I, I, uh, I felt like, well, today was, was the case of the Mondays in many ways for me, but I don't feel like Monday is a Monday the way that other people think Mondays are Mondays, if that makes sense, because we're all just kind of on a 24 hour news cycle. Like, sure. The weekend's a little different because we don't record DTNS shows, um, or daily tech headline shows, and we're not doing GDI. Um, you know, we can be in Saturday and Sunday, but it, you know, I, I, there's even almost more work. I feel like I do because I just want to have time to be able to read stuff that will factor into the shows in the next week, where it's a little bit harder to do. You know, when you're kind of on that hamster wheel during the week. It also helps that uh, I love tech meme on uh, on like a Sunday because it's like a look at <laughs> trend piece. Yeah. Or like there's like yeah. three headlines. That's just like yeah. those are the weekend headlines for every... how crypto captured the imagination of many. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, am I reading this today? Yeah. And you're like, you know. like, what's the news? I need the you news. No one reading that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're. they're I think the tech meme editors are really great, but you know, sometimes like the top four stories are where I'm like, I mean, it almost looks like AI wrote all these headlines, you know, or it's like, why, why Microsoft is doomed? How Alphabet 
he came undoomed. <laughs> it's it's a it's. I mean, in a in a way, a lot of those can be. I mean, it's really just kind of like a AI version of Mad Libs. You just yeah. take your favorite tech company and then you add an adverb or an adjective, you know, mm-hmm. uh, doomed, uh, bankrupt, you know, going to be sold, going to be this in trouble and then in trouble with. And then you put a government agency or national government. I, I will give the uh, I mean, like you said, Sarah, the editors of tech do an amazing or do a really great job. I, I don't mm-hmm. know why I backed off of amazing. I'll say amazing job. Uh, but the, the yeah. one thing is every, like, and, and to their credit, one, every once in a while they'll have a, a headline in the, in the river. That's my usual way of consuming the tech meme. And it'll be like, Satya Nadella says, blah, 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 blah. And I'll be like, oh, that's a really interesting quote. I want to see what said that. And I'll click on it. And it's like, it's from like a Wall Street or, or it's in a Wall Street Journal article. And that's yeah. like the 12th paragraph. And I was like, oh, you really dug into like, you know, like this whole what, thing about what you would like the takeaway to be. Yes, antitrust. Yeah, it, it's a much broader piece, but I appreciate yeah. that they're taking out that. And for the tech audience, I do appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's editorial stuff going on for sure, mm-hmm. um, which I I I appreciate. In fact, yes, there are s- certain headlines where I'm like, I should read more about that. So I'm like, oh, this is not really the point of the story as it was originally written. But it was it was a takeaway that somebody at TechMeme was like, no, this is actually the takeaway. And yeah. we do that all the time. You mm-hmm. know, what, there are lots of things that, you know, we all kind of read and then parse and go, well, what's the interesting part of this? You know, some of it is just it, it's a little it's, you know, news. It, it is. I mean, of course, it's all news. But what you know, how does this change our lives? How does this, you know, factor into the wider conversation that we're all having? And, you know, it's it's a uh, a daily struggle. I feel like we uh, we do that quite often with uh, earnings reports, right? Because it's like if you go to like CNBC or whatever, they'll have, you know, the the all the figures, which are great. They'll have all the breakouts. But it's like, what? Why is why is this interesting to uh to you know a general consumer or to a not Wall sure. Street investor and like that to me is like one of my favorite things is kind of parse into those and be like all right I got to figure out let me look where the the services went up oh the services are up ten percent let me figure out what that means well like, yeah because it fun stuff. yeah because it ends up you know how does this trickle down to something that you as a consumer who cares about the company or mm-hmm. doesn't care about the company may care about the company in the future. Um, I, I do that with earnings reports all the time. I mean, I don't have stock in one tech company. Um, but, you know, so, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I just kind of look at it and go, Hmm, how about that? But what does it mean for what the company is going to do in the future? And that's something that many of us can relate to. Uh, I just want faster internet that's symmetrical, but I don't need to rewire my house to do it. And by rewire, I mean draw a line across two telephone poles that are in other people's yards because it was a pain enough to get it fixed the first time. Uh, so I, I had a uh, – this is very off topic, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, oh, it's okay. GDI after all. So what is? <laughs> so so my uh, my cat, Ralphie, um, who's who's doing really well, but he's on some medication now to make him feel a little bit better. He had kind of a, you know, upset tummy for a while. Um, uh, the vet that I took him to was an ER vet that's not very close to me. And, you know, I had called them and I said, yeah, I think we're going to, you know, probably want more of this medicine. You know, it seems to be working really well and he's feeling better. And they were kind of, I said, can you transfer it to, to like the prescription to my vet so that I could go, you know, kind of right down the street and get it. No, we can't do that. I'm like, weird, because you're the same company, but okay. Um, I said, what we can do, though, is send it to Safeway, Safeway Pharmacy. Is there a Safeway near you or a CVS? And I was like, well, there's a Safeway, like, not that far away from me. It would be more convenient than going to you. Let's do that. They said, okay. I'm like, strange. I never knew that you could transfer drug medications for pets to like a, you know, a human gr- pharmacy grocery store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I go in there yesterday, you know, and, 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 and they've called me a couple like automated phone calls, like your prescription is ready. So I knew that they were, you know, they were waiting for me. I go in there yesterday and the guy behind the counter is like, 
no record of you. Sorry. And I'm like, I think you should look again. I, you know, pretty sure that it's here. And he was like, I just, I'm sorry. I, we just don't have it. And I was like, it's a prescription for my cat. And he was like, oh, well, why don't you say so? <laughs> and like walks over into like some like closet, opens it up, brings it out and was like, yeah, yeah, no, we're, our pet stuff is like in another area where I was like, wow, I had no idea you could do this. And I'm sure it depends on, you know, what the drug is, you know, and what grocery store you're working with, but pretty convenient. Turns out. We're all networked. Yeah. That's cool. I got, uh, I got the cat prescription closet over at the Safeway. <laughs> oh, we put it in the closet. I, I do like that, though. They're like, oh, we don't put it by the human medication. I mean, I guess that. Well, it was weird. Like, it was because because it was, you know, it's under my name. And I just figured it would, you know, I don't know. You get a prescription. It's like it's I'm paying for it. And then but it was like, no, oh, no, you had to tell me it was for your cat. That's I thought different. you were going to say it was under the cat's name, and that's why they couldn't find it. No, it was under my name. Yeah. But it was, like, in some other, I don't know, mm. I guess it. The closet of shame. aren't using the same uh, database for everybody. I don't know. It was, it all worked out. All worked out. Got the meds. All right. Meds, what about titles? What about them? Okay, for DTNS, our top three vote getters, uh, Fred eight a nineteen suggested lightning in an acquisition bottle. JPEG eighty four suggested you don't know you need more bandwidth until you need more until you get more bandwidth rather, and Princess Delirium in the top spot with eleven votes. Who let the heat out? You, 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 you. As much as I loved that title from Princess Delirium, uh, we had to go with one that would fit from Fred819, which is lightning in an acquisition bottle. Beautiful. Well, thank you, everybody, for uh, for submitting titles and also for voting on them. Over on the GDI side, Larry and Lana suggested, how much does a three-year-old weigh anyway? <laughs> <laughs> A, a thing I would not have been able to answer before today. Stealth Dave suggested the over underdogs and Zoe brings bacon in the top spot with 10 votes. Weirdest parent brag. Uh, we went with Zoe brings bacon's sport is like a really good sandwich. Oh, so oh look, at, look at Zoe uh, with multiple entries and one of her underdogs. Um, ending up uh, getting on the top spot. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for voting and submitting. Always fun. And, uh, you know, let's keep it, keep, keep it coming tomorrow. All right. Before, uh, before we sign off here, I'd like to uh, give a shout-out to those people on Twitch chat who have been supporting us. Uh, we have Windmill Steve, who resubscribed with Prime. We've had uh, Psycho Motors shared a song with 50 Bits. Uh, Larry and Lana shared a song with 20 uh, Beatmaster80 shared us on with four, ooh, 400 bits. Whoa, uh, Loki Robert shared us on with 200. Zoe Bean Bacon shared us on as well. And uh, Loki followed that up with another uh, 40. So thank you all so much, uh, especially uh, CPOTS50, Chaz Basden, and uh, Vav- Vavra for resubscribing. Uh, you guys are great, and all the support you give us really does help us. It does. Uh, over on the Patreon side, uh, we didn't get any new bosses over the weekend. Um, so, you know, hopefully new patrons just you're just kind of waiting for us. We did get some raises, though. Um, so we'd like to thank Ronaldo Sanchez. Thank you for the raise. We also like to thank Alan. Thank you so much for the raise. Radar uh, went up to a yearly subscription and gave us a little bump. Thank you, Radar. Uh, Lore Schindler gave us another raise. Uh, Lou Goon gave us another raise, also went to the annual subscription. So thank you. Thank you, everybody, for for bumping up. Um, if you can, we sure do appreciate it. And um, we we couldn't do the show without you. So your support is everything to us. All right. Truly. Uh, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, Dr. J.J. Owen Stone. We will. Uh, oh, doctor. To talk about uh, do we really need 8K or rather uh, when will 8K be a, a necessary thing for, for most people? Yeah. Until my then. contact lenses get better. <laughs> yeah. All right. Until then, we'll uh, catch you uh, tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. Uh, have a great day, Internet. 
good day. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.